beautiful here. Join us on our quest to find beauty right where you are. What's up, y'all? We're back. <laughs> he's, he's, he's gone off his rocker because he's so excited about our guest. Oh my gosh, I am so excited. She was so, such a, an amazing person to talk to, and I think you guys are in for such a huge treat. We, have, uh, we had an interview with Jennifer Pepito. Yes. That's right. <laughs> JPEP was in the house, although not not literally. She, you know, we just talked on the phone, but it was so cool. Okay, here we go. Jennifer Pepito is the mother of seven children who she has homeschooled from the beginning. Her oldest daughter is a law student studying abroad, and her oldest son graduated from high school with enough college credits to qualify him for an AA degree. Uh, she's a regular contributor for the Wild and Free Homeschool Community, uh, and she has been published in several online journals and print articles as well. She's also written two curriculums, The Peaceful Preschool and The Playful Pioneers, which is based on the Little House series by Laura Ingalls Wilder. So here yeah. she is without any further ado. All right. Jennifer enjoy. Pavito. Well, today we are here um, with Jennifer Pepito. Yeah. She is just a wealth of information to the homeschooling community, and she's made such a difference to our lives and in our homeschool. Um, we just can't wait for you to hear from her. So, Jennifer, would you just introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on your show. This yeah. is so cool. I love doing the... I loved excuse me, recording for the Wild and Free podcast. So it's kind of yes. fun to be every so often on the other side of the recording, so yes. to speak. Mm-hmm. But um, I have, I am married to my husband, Scott. We have seven kids and wow. my oldest is 24. My youngest is nine. And we've been homeschooling for 21 years, I guess. I started homeschooling in preschool. Sure. With my daughter. And we... You know, mostly have had a regular American life, except that we lived nearly four years as missionaries in Mexico. So that was kind of an exciting little interlude for our family. Yeah. And so how many kids have you graduated through homeschool? I have graduated three. I had to think about that. Yeah. (laughs) I have have, um, three kids who have graduated, but my next two go to community college. So one is a junior in high school. One is a sophomore and they both do most of their classes at the local junior college. Okay. Wow. Oh, awesome. That's neat. And then you have two that are still like elementary age. Yes. Those are my, um, that's who I'm having lots of fun with right now. They're 11 and nine. Okay. Sweet. So cool. Well, yeah. I guess one of the burning questions I have for you is, um, you know, what decisions did you make in the early years that have helped you go the distance, you know, and have um, success homeschooling all the way through high school? Yeah, I think part of it is that my husband is super committed to homeschooling. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, I think, yeah. I think for some families, if the wife complains about homeschooling, the husband's like, we'll just put him in school then, you know, which is usually what right. we don't want to hear. Yep. We, usually we just want someone to sympathize with us and not offer that as a solution. Sure. But my husband's always been really committed to it. And, and I have had a few times here and there where I, where I thought, hmm, maybe, you know, maybe I should try public high school. I've never, I've never had second thoughts in elementary school, but because mm-hmm. high school is not necessarily my thing, and I do believe that kids as they get older need more of a community. But mm-hmm. every time I've looked into it, I've just thought, oh, it's like so not our thing 
You know, I really love mm-hmm. being with my kids. Yeah. I love having our home really saturated with God and with um, our faith. And right. so, you know, the, the, I feel like the things I'd have to give up would be a lot more than what we'd gain. Right. Absolutely. I feel, I love that you said that about having the husband on board because, um, gosh, it's, it's, you just need that support as a homeschool mom. Yeah. Um, not only from your husband, probably more, more so from your husband, mm-hmm. but like just having a community too is so helpful because what I'm finding is that, cause we've only been doing this for like three years. Um, but what I'm finding is that a lot of homeschooling is like managing my doubts and fears. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. <laughs> so, um, and like, and maybe even like having that big vision, like casting the bigger picture. So on that, those hard di- hard days, you feel like, okay, this is just one day. Um, we're just having one bad month or one bad week. And the bigger picture here is, like you said, relationships and um, being able to share our faith with our children. So yeah. right. that's so great. Absolutely. And yeah. my oldest is a very... Uh, she's probably a one on the Enneagram. If you guys know the Enneagram Mm -hmm. and very Mm -hmm. diligent is what I would say. And she's a law student right now in Northern Mm -hmm. Ireland. And that honestly has given me a ton of confidence as a homeschooler. My, my second daughter has learning disabilities. So even though she's graduated, Mm -hmm. she still has a long way to go before she's on her feet independently. But having that Mm -hmm. first one, knowing how I homeschooled, knowing that we did have, the normal bad days that people have, you know, with births or moves or whatever it was, mm-hmm. knowing yeah. that it wasn't a perfect job. And yet I have like stellar academic results for one of my children. Mm-hmm. My next one, you know, she overcame a lot of learning disabilities to be able to read and loves to read. And, and then my third son who I've graduated is also a really good college student, you know, does great on all his yeah. tests and gets great grades and can hold down a job and still loves Jesus. So, so you know, <laughs> yeah. I think that there are so many homeschool success stories out there that you can read about, but when it's in mm-hmm. your own family, it definitely, and every child is different. So I can't, I can't guarantee right. that I'll get good results with every single child because we're all individuals, but I definitely yeah. don't have any, I have no um, second thoughts about my ability to homeschool my children because I have the results. Definitely. Exactly. Because, um, yeah, this is like a process for the mothers. Mm -hmm. I think whoever is doing the schooling with the kids, like it's such a growth opportunity. Like I just feel like I'm learning so much about myself and all my flaws. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now you mentioned, you mentioned that, you know, your husband's been on board and that's been such a a key point for you. Do you, does he have like a, a background in homeschooling or like how, what would you say was the reason why he's been so supportive? Yeah. Is, can you I, give I any probably tips his on that? faith because he was okay. either private or public schooled growing up. And it's not even like he's so into home education as far as the day-to-day working out of it. You know, he'll, if yeah. I ask him to, to work on a, on a concept with my kids, he'll do it. But, but he really believes in it. I think from a, from a spiritual standpoint, mm-hmm. yep. you know, and, we both, my husband and I were exposed to some of the darker sides of public school, so to speak. And, and that for better mm-hmm. or worse has colored some of our understanding. Cause sure. I think that sometimes when a, when a family, when the mom or the dad have gone through school and were able to just like a hundred percent 
stay morally pure and those kinds of things, they're a little mm-hmm. bit yep. more innocent to some of the the dangers that can happen in public schools. Sure. Whereas sure. Yeah. Yeah, people like my husband and I were were we were a little more jaded to what could sure. happen, you know. Yeah, I say we don't homeschool to like protect our kids from public school, but we're just trying to, we feel like we could give them more than what the public school could give them just because we love them more. And and there's, there are, you know, for myself, like I really, really enjoy homeschooling. So yes, my kids, you know, my older, my high school kids are going to a community college. So they're exposed to probably even worse, the possibility of even worse you know, they, they hear language. There's kids on, on campus who are high. There's, Mm -hmm. it's not like it's a morally protected environment at that point, but I just really enjoy being with my kids. And I do, you know, there, there are so many different elements. I feel like it's for my kids. I feel like it's a better education. We do read a lot. We read a lot of classics. Mm -hmm. We talk about the books. There's a lot of strong discussions going on. They have some freedom to pursue their own interests. So I feel like there are a lot of, those kinds of elements that are integrated, but I just, you know, really enjoy being with my children and that is a big motivator for me. Yeah. And by that time you've laid that foundation for them that you feel like they're secure in their relationship with you and maybe their relationship with Christ. And so sending them out into the world doesn't feel as risky. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I think too, like community college is a different atmosphere than high school. Like for me, yeah. For some reason, high school, I feel like breeds more peer dependency, Mm -hmm. Mm. but I feel like, you know, and, and that's one thing I actually do love also about homeschooling is that, it gives kids the freedom to be different. Like they're not as scared. I don't know how they do it, but I do feel like schools do a really good job of making people feel scared of being different. Yes. Yes. And, and unique. And, and like there's a need to conform. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, by the time kids get to high school, it's really hard to be, unless you have a really good, strong community of other mm-hmm. kids with similar values, it's really hard to be the only kid who's not having a co-ed sleepover or drinking at their parents' <laughs> house or getting high or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so when you're at a community college campus, so there's all kinds, there is no, there's not those same peer Pressures. Um, pressures, exactly. Because there's adults going, there's homeschool teens, there's high, there's graduates, there's a lot of high schoolers. So it's it's a little bit more of a um, loose environment as far as being, it's not this little tight community Sure. Everyone sure. feeling a pressure to conform. It's a little more like the real world. I mean, we talk yes. about that yes. a lot. It's like we go yes. into the real world and I don't I don't talk with people that are just my same age right. every day. You know, I have yeah. a wide variety of ages and, and people that I talk with. And so, you know, it is very interesting. Yeah. And and what I love about it is just instead of creating that peer dependency that you mentioned, you know, it's like you're maybe creating a sibling dependency and it's really, it's strengthening the family unit, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, coming from a homeschool family, my up to like middle school age. Um, But that's just paid huge dividends for Mm -hmm. me. And with, you know, I'm really close with all my siblings. Uh, We still, you know, hang out and everything and we still enjoy each other's company. And I feel like, I've seen kind of the opposite with kids that have gone to public school. It's like they want to just talk to kids their own age. They don't want to deal with younger kids. It's they like, want to get, get away, a, get from, away from me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there's like, I don't know. There's some tension there. So yeah. Yeah. Huge. Well, Interesting. We, what, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. One of my favorite books for parenting is called hold on to your kids. Mm. And he talks a lot about the power of attachment in maturity. And I think that's an interesting element of this whole 
conversation too is that children who are too early ripped away from their parents and their mm. family bonds end up socially immature and, and they have this strong need to bond with somebody. So they bond to peers who aren't, who really can't lead them. Sure. Yes. Sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's interesting what you, what you're talking about, about the peer dependency, because yes. you know, when, when you were homeschooling, you were all together, people are pretty well bonded and mm-hmm. you're forced to work through conflicts. Like if you're in, yes. if you're in school, you can decide you don't want to be friends with this person anymore and just, talk to another classmate. You know, you can have little wars going on all the time, but in the home, you're going to eat and sleep together for hopefully 18 years and you better figure it out. Yeah. That's a really good point. (laughs) I have, yeah, yeah, I feel like that's where my flaws I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to have to get, get over that. So, (laughs) but Jennifer, you talked um, just briefly, you mentioned that you really enjoy um, homeschooling and that you feel like um, homeschooling should be a joy for us. So, I, you know, I don't always feel like every day it's joyful, but I feel like sometimes you, you hear from moms that are in a rut where they're just really, um, discouraged and maybe not enjoying homeschooling right now, uh, not feeling that joy. So what advice could you offer, um, those moms that just are really feeling discouraged? Yeah. I think partly when we don't enjoy it is because we're worried we're not doing enough. Like, I don't think that, you know, I I know that everybody enjoys different things. Like I really enjoy reading out loud to my kids, but a mom who doesn't enjoy that maybe enjoys playing math games with her kids or maybe enjoys doing PE with her kids. All of us are, you know, if we're like, there's, I love a Erwin McManus quote. He says, the soul that is free and alive is a soul that creates. So as Mm. mothers, there's gotta be something that we're passionate and excited about that we can involve our kids in. And that's a lot of what homeschooling has been for me is that I'm excited about learning about people and history. And so we read a lot and we talk about our books and, and I do my best to get excited about math and science as that's not, you know, that's something I'm developing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think for moms who feel like they're not doing enough or they have to do all these textbooks or they have to cram in this workbook and then they feel frustrated and their kids are crying because it's so boring. That's mm-hmm. when it gets a joy killer. And, and I have had you know, years where I had a student who really didn't want to learn almost anything and I had to be creative and, you know, gently push Mm -hmm. until we got over that hump. So it's not like every single minute is fun, but overall I just feel so much purpose and so much life in what I'm doing and see the value of it. I love that. And for the most part, I love it. And I think sometimes I have to remember that God gave me these kids for a reason. These are the kids that God gave to me. And so um, when I try to be like Susie down the street, it doesn't go (laughs) so well because Susie wasn't given my kids. Um, And so like you said, bringing them along with what you already enjoy. Like I would, I, I like to be outside. And so just bringing them along outside when we're out gardening or taking a walk or just playing or digging in the dirt, like that's where I get my joy. And if I had to just sit and like do workbooks all day with them, I, I would not like it either. So right. I agree with you. Just part of that is like finding the passion that God gave you and just clinging onto that um, and doing it with them, inviting them along with them. Yeah. And I think there have been some great education philosophers who've brought some life into this area too, because a lot of us start homeschooling thinking we have to do what the public schools do, but they're basically 
trying to keep kids busy. You know what I mean? It's oh, yeah. basically busy work for years and totally. you don't end up with kids who are more intelligent. Like my kids exceed their public school counterparts in their college classes. So mm-hmm. it didn't yep. necessarily result in more in a better education because they were sitting down doing workbooks every day for eight hours a day. You know, Julie Bogart talks about how we only really need to do to teach grammar three times. She says once as a kind of a lighter teaching in elementary school, once in junior high, and then in high school do a foreign language and that helps cement the process. Mm. You know, so you think about, or, or you think about, the art of communication, you know, all of these language art skills, copy work and handwriting and reading comprehension, they're all centered around the art of communication. Mm-hmm. But if we just read good books and talk about good books and teach our kids to read well and spell, then we've covered that without having to do 10 workbooks pages, you know, 10 pages from sure. 10 different workbooks a day. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so key. And, and and another thing that I think is so important, you know, Kendra was talking a little bit about, and actually you both were about, you know, finding your passions and and letting that lead into uh, the homeschooling, you know, and and bringing the kids along with you. I think a, another big piece of it that I've 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 heard you talk about before, Jennifer, on actually another uh, podcast um, was you talked about uh, following the spark. Um, and to me, that kind of meant finding the kids' passions and where they're naturally gifted and talented and letting that kind of lead their, their education. And so I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about that and, you know, kind of the role that that plays in, in your philosophy and in your curriculums and all that. Yeah, I have, you know, a lot of kids. And so it's not necessarily that I am with them chasing things down all the time, mm-hmm. but if I see that they're interested in you know, robotics and I'll do my best to get them a class or a kit. Or if I, if I see that there's an interest there, I'll do my best to find them a community to learn with or a class or a book, you know, so there's a, there's a certain element of freedom to learn. I think that because I don't over schedule us as far as schoolwork goes, we have certain subjects that are important and that we get done, but I don't, I don't put a heavy burden of like, you have to do eight hours of schoolwork a day in the home. Mm -hmm. So the biggest part of the chasing the spark in my home is that kids have enough time that they can start using Adobe Illustrator to make pictures if they want to, or, or working Mm -hmm. on video editing, just, you know, whatever the different interests are as they come, there's some freedom there to pursue them. Yes. That's awesome. We just talked about that, about just the time, just allowing them time. Yeah. Um, they really don't get that when they're in a school all day for, right. you know, is it eight hours? Gosh. Yeah. Uh, you know, just having that downtime to, to explore other interests. And a lot of times they'll chase that spark themselves, you know, they'll right. find out what's what they're yeah. passionate about and go for yeah, it. And we try to, to find, you know, we try to light the spark too. Like we listen to the How I Built This podcast. You know, we'll yeah. talk about, have you ever heard that podcast? I, I just recently yeah. found it. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. So, you know, so we listen to podcasts about people who are doing interesting things or, or even taking the trips that we've taken. All of those kinds of things are ways that we hope will help, fi- help kids find passions. Because I think a lot of kids are just so overscheduled and tired that there's no time really even to think about what do I like to do? What am I interested in? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, exactly. Uh, my goodness. I love that. Um, as a teacher, I was exposed to that um, Yates quote that says that education is not um, filling a bucket, but lighting a fire. And mm-hmm. so as a, as a teacher, I'm 
that's my background. Um, that was what I wanted for my kids is just to expose them to um, things that might spark and not just fill the bucket. And so I follow that same principle or you know idea with my own kids. And um, boy, that's a lot more fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah, like when I have like- to like, try to get them to spit out those facts again. It's not, it's not working, you know? No, no. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Well, um, another thing that you've written about that um, has just been really encouraging to me is you talk about like not using our kids or our children's success as a way to measure our own success. Mm. And um, I just love that because you talk about getting our value and our worth from knowing that we are loved, uh, despite how we homeschool or how our children behave yeah. or turn out in life, like knowing that we are loved by God, and that is what is that is where we're getting our worth, and not putting yeah. that pressure on our on our kids. Right, and I think that is so hard as homeschool moms because you know I know for me that big crises came when my oldest daughter went through a bout with eating disorders. Mm. And we were in a very tight homeschool community that was very much performance-based. And and there was a lot of shame around, you know, I think a lot of the people in that community had grown up in rough homes or with difficult situations and then were, you know, trying to keep everything under control and kind of perfect. Mm. And so it was this whole process for me of, of feeling absolutely worthless because this this place where I'd put all my worth, you know, I'm a good mom, I am a good homeschooler, I've got good kids, was just wiped out. Mm. But it was also the place where I really encountered God in a new way and realized that my my worth comes because He loved me, He chose me, and not because of my performance. And and I think, you know, mm. Brene Brown in some of her books talks about a similar conversation. And then another book that was really helpful for me was called How to Stop the Pain. Um, And I think James Richards is the author, but basically just, you know, really cementing down into that where, you know, you know, we're loved because God calls us loved. We're loved because he says he loves us. We're loved because of what he's done. And then we can love our kids and do our best to, to teach our kids and disciple them. But, but release that, the, Mm -hmm basically release the process and definitely release the results to God because they're yeah. all individuals. And I think that's a daily, like I still, you know, I pray the Lord's prayer a lot. I ask God to take away fear a lot because as moms, there's just a lot of fear involved in raising kids. You know, you get through mm-hmm. hoping they don't choke or hoping they don't drown <laughs> to, yeah. you know, hoping they don't break their neck in a backflip or get in a car accident. I mean, there's, or, or right. get it get involved with drugs. Like there are, there are real things that, that kids go through even from great families. Mm-hmm. And so just being so rooted down, knowing that you're loved and knowing also that God loves our kids and is trustworthy mm-hmm. with them, you know, it, and it's, it's a process. I don't think it's something that you can do once and be done, but yeah. it's an important process, I think, because God wants us to have our affection with him first, you know, and our value coming from him first. And then everything that comes out of that is, is right. joy and it's true. Yeah. I, yeah. I think of it like, um, a, a, a cup, like I am a, an empty cup or a vessel. And I, I think of it as like, I have to be filled up with good things in order to pour out good things to my kids. I try yeah. to keep that in mind when, um, 
if I'm going through a difficult thing, like I'm just not very patient sometimes. I've got very young kids, Jennifer. So <laughs> we're still in that, we're in that um, crazy season. Know, yeah, just chasing them around with, you know, they were not wanting to put their diapers on. It was actually kind of cute. They were like, <laughs> right. I was naked. But, you know, and I didn't lose my patience then because it's fun. But, <laughs> you know, I just try to let God's word fill me up mm. because that's the only thing that I have found that has allowed me to pour out. You yep. know, if I try to fill myself up with what the world is telling me that I should, I should be, um, it, I just feel empty, you know? Right. So, that's totally. And it's interesting too, like that whole season with little kids is so intense because mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I know I loved the book, Loving the Little Years by Rachel Jankovic. And she talks in there about how, you know, you have, she had five little kids and one of them was a set of twins. They're really young. Oh, and yeah. she ended up yelling at one of the kids, but it wasn't that that kid had done anything. It was just one child had lost their shoes and one was crying because her hair was being brushed and one needed a snack. And they were just all talking to her all at once. And she ended up yelling <laughs> But it wasn't mm-hmm. like anybody had done anything wrong. And I know for myself, I had moments like that too with the younger kids where it wasn't that anybody was misbehaving. It's just so intense when everybody's crying or yelling all at the same time. And I was like, get in the car, you know. Yeah. And so, <laughs> Stop meeting me. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. think, you know, learning, learning somehow how to, how to get some internal peace, you know, just whether you go sit in your car with everyone in the car seats for a few minutes and just turn on some worship music or, you know, put everyone in a stroller and take a walk, just getting a few minutes where you can talk to God and pour out your heart to him and let him infuse you with his peace is so essential for getting through these years with grace. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I love, um, we are actually using your playful pioneers curriculum and the piece I love the most about it is theology. Um, we're mm. using that in our morning, you know, at breakfast, that's what we are reading through. And it's been the biggest change for us. It's just been such a, a good thing for us to be dwelling on first thing in the morning. So yep. we just love that. Yeah. That's been I, really good. I really love his work because he does a good job of both you know, I feel like in my early years as a Christian, there's just this strong emphasis on our behavior and not mm. so much on, you know, on what God has done for us. And it's like, mm. he, you know, I love in that book, he talks about how the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what's right. But it's, but first, first we recognize that we're loved and we accept that we receive that love. And then we do what's right out of love. You know, whereas mm-hmm. in my earlier years as a mom, I was doing what was right to try and prove that I was a Christian or prove that, you know, basically trying to be Mm -hmm. saved by works, even though I didn't believe in that, there was an element of feeling like I had to be perfect, not realizing that I could just receive the perfection of Christ and then Mm. do my best to walk that out because of love and in love. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. We were, we were wondering maybe in those early years and in those preschool years, what do you, find that's important. I mean, well, you have written a preschool curriculum called the the Peaceful Preschool. And so what did you feel like was important in those years? Yeah, I think that, you know, the Peaceful Preschool is especially written because my my second daughter had learning disabilities. And as a young mom, I didn't know a whole lot about child development. And so I was really focused on 
behavior, but I didn't understand all the motor skills and, and even the auditory processing that is involved in being able to follow directions. And so a lot of the components of the peaceful preschool involve activities that help develop motor skills and that help develop the ability to follow directions, the ability to track with your eyes. There's all these, they, it feels like play or it looks like play, but it is very intentionally created to help children develop the skills that they need for school. I think people often try to push a three or four or five-year-old to sit down at a workbook when their, their fine motor skills aren't even ready. Their eyes aren't even ready for tracking. And you can do, you can, you know, Charlotte Mason talks a lot about a quiet growing time before age six. And I believe that, you know, I don't think preschool is necessarily essential, but for me with my daughter, if I'd known some skills then for developing those motor skills, because not every child will pursue, you know, I think most normal children will pursue the activities they need. You know, they need mm-hmm. sensory inputs. So they'll go play in the toilet or, you know, they, yeah. they, <laughs> the mud. Yes, kids, yes, exactly. kids are good at, at finding what they need, but not every child will do that. And especially if you as a mom are really focused on keeping your house clean and then there's nothing for them to play with. And, and I believe in a, an orderly environment, but I believe it has to be set up where there's stuff for kids to do, you know, Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so the peaceful preschool is especially about the development, but then also, you know, all the beautiful books when we're reading with our children, we're connecting with them in such a sweet way and building relationship. Mm-hmm. And when we sit down together, we, we really can see how they're doing emotionally. Like I think that as moms, mm-hmm. we can get so busy and think, Oh, I'm, I'm feeding my child. They have their needs met and not realize how important that eye contact and that connection is. And I think mm-hmm. doing something like the peaceful preschool helps moms just connect with their children and develop those special memories that, oh, my mom loved me enough to sit down and play a game with me when I was little. She loved me enough yeah. to sit down and read a book to me when I was little. Yes. Yep. Well, we are starting that with our um, three-year-old pretty soon because that's she's my third one. And I feel like that's that's really the only reason why I'm doing it is because I think she just needs that connection with me. Definitely. Um, and so we try to like sit down and do puzzles and whatnot, but I'm excited to add that in because, you know, every kid that comes along eventually wants to be like the big kids. And so that's what we're, you know, I want to do school. So that's <laughs> right. That's what we're and, seeing and, and really, if you have young kids, like if you're, if you have six and eight year olds, a lot of the activities in the peaceful preschool are going to be fun for them and going to help them in some way. Like I, you know, yeah. some of these things I think, Oh, we think, Oh, that's too young. Even, even with the playful pioneers, I've been doing it with my 11 year old even though it's it's like on the website it says five to ten or something like that, every kid benefits mm-hmm. from doing projects. We moms benefit from doing projects. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of the the skills, the listening skills, the reading skills, the comprehension that comes from figuring out how to follow directions or how to make something. I think sometimes we undervalue doing things together and overvalue bookwork. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We have That's really huge. enjoyed it. So I, I mentioned we're using the Playful Pioneers this year. We ch- I chose it because we had our first two years of homeschooling were we had a young baby, we moved. We had a young baby, <laughs> we moved. And that was just in a two years time span. Yeah. So um, I needed something simple this year right. and I needed something fun. Um, so if you guys need something like that, that what I love about Jennifer's curriculum, both of them is the simple layout and that they are fun um, and easy 
to follow. So there's kind of a gentle structure and that's exactly what we needed this year. It's been such a godsend. So Jennifer, where can they find um, your, your resources? The, the website for all the resources is thepeacefulpress.com. And then I'm on Instagram at Jennifer Pepito and also the Peaceful Press. Okay. And did you have, um, is there a new curriculum coming out that you want to tell us about? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on the precious people right now. And I have a four-week unit, just especially for people who wanted something to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And the four-week unit will be integrated into the full curriculum. It's about the saints. So it's a really beautiful study of the life of St. Francis and St. Patrick. But... Um, the precious people, one of the things I'm most excited about it is I'm integrating some of the Jewish feasts into it. And in the past, oh, awesome. I kind of was like, oh, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it can feel like people can get legalistic around feasts, mm-hmm. or especially mm-hmm. the Jewish feasts. But then there's so many beautiful pictures of God that are integrated into them. And so I'm excited about this opportunity to study ancient history and try to focus a little bit more on some of the lighter sides of it. Yes. And, you know, and, and that's hard. I mean, ancient history is just full of like, uh, <laughs> difficult subjects, <laughs> yes. But, yes. but as much as possible, we're, we're focusing on the goodness of God and on the ways that he protected his people throughout the centuries. Mm. That's so awesome. I love that. I'm, I'm kind of a history buff too. And it's funny because you know, history is not for everybody. I mean, it is, but some people don't get it. Like sometimes I'm trying to talk to other people about it and they're just like, their eyes glaze over. But I think, <laughs> I think what's so cool about that um, is that when you, when you can find the thing that everybody can relate to, especially in the Jewish feast, how, how well they paint those pictures of Jesus and mm-hmm. how he's all through the old Testament kind of concealed. And now mm-hmm. he's in the, the, you know, new Testament is where he's revealed to us. And it's just, I, I love studying it for that reason. And I think if we can present it to our kids that way, present it to others that way, I mean, there's just so much value there. And- I, I agree. And I think, you know, as I've seen in the church, it's like there was this season of legalism where everyone was judging each other and putting all kinds of pressure on yep. each other. But I feel like some parts of the church have kind of swung the other way where it's like, it's all the gospel. And so we don't have to do anything, but I don't think right. that, that, that produces the fruit that we want in our lives, you know? So, so finding a balance and, and it's like in the study, I want people to be able to see the spiritual principles behind some of these things because the Jewish culture have, has survived through thousands of years, whereas a lot of cultures haven't. And yeah. there, there are things, you know, like they, every year, the, you know, practicing Jews read the Torah all the way through. You know, there are, there are some things that the Jewish people do, some ways that they have kept their culture going that I think we can learn from, not imitate, not keep as a law, but just observe right. and say, you know, what, what parts of this, what parts of this culture, what parts of what God was saying to these people is applicable to me or or is of value to me today? Wow, that's so great. And so the four-week curriculum is available in March. And then when is the, the entire curriculum supposed to release? Yeah, so the four-week curriculum is available on the website right now. It's at the Precious People page, basically. Okay. And the rest of the curriculum will be released in May or June, early this summer. Okay. Well, we can't wait to check awesome. that out. Um, Jennifer, <laughs> it's been such a great chat. We just so enjoyed this. You're just have so much. Yeah, I could talk to you like for another hour. <laughs> thank you yeah. so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a delight to chat with you both. It sure was. Thank you so much. 
All right, guys. Well, that was the interview. We hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. And we have a special announcement. If you head over to our Instagram at Finding Beautiful Here, you will see that we have partnered with Jennifer Pepito and she is offering a giveaway to her shop at thepeacefulpress.com. So head over there for all the details and leave us a review. Bye. Bye.